0: Welcome to the Recovering Academic Podcast. I'm Amanda, and I'm at the beginning of my journey outside of academia through starting my own scientific editorial service.
1: I'm Ian, and I'm in the process of leaving academia, aiming for a career in science communication or editing.
2: And I'm Dr. PMS. I've left academia about one year ago to work as a
0: biotech salesperson, and I'm still in recovery. We're in various phases of transitioning out of academia, and we'll share insights, advice, and problems we encounter at each stage. Hi, welcome to The Recovering Academic, and I'm here with uh, Clady and Ian, and we're going to talk today a bit about CVs and resumes, the differences between these, maybe a bit about tips and how to handle it, and some of the feelings as they come up. So I thought we'd start with you, Clay, and you can tell us a bit about how you think about resumes and why you want to talk about it, because this was partly your brainchild for this episode. <laughs>
2: yes. This was a, a topic that I suggested that we could cover on the podcast. And part, a big part of that was because, for me, personally, was one of the hardest things to do, and also... Because I still, um, there's a lot of people that ask me if I could send examples of my resume. And and I feel like there is a lot of things in the internet about uh, how a resume looks like. And of course, there is no formula to change your CV to a resume. And... In, and you have to think about your... Look at your CV, think about what is there and translate it into a resume. And this, for me, it was terrible. It was super hard. Because you go to the internet and you type difference between a CV and a resume. And the first thing that shows up is length, of course. Right. Uh, so the, the CV... You just put everything is all your academic life there is there, uh, but whenever you need to do your resume, uh, usually they say one page maximum two pages, and and then you kind of like okay so how I'm going to squeeze all my ten plus pages of my academic um, CV on my resume. But uh, I don't think that this is the only difference uh, between the CV and the resume. So uh, the other thing that also has to be different is the layout, uh, and this goes kind of together with the length. So you need to decrease it, but you need to be you need your resume to be pleasant to the eye. Uh, and then the other uh, difference, and I believe, is one of the main difference, is the purpose. Right. So your resume has to scream a purpose. So whenever it's kind of like when you're when you're writing uh, a nice introduction introduction for your paper. Uh, by the end of the introduction the reader doesn't have to uh, read what is the question that you're going to ask. The reader already knows because because of the way that you write your introduction to your paper. In the end, it just leads to that. So that's kind of like how the resume sh- needs to look like. Uh, it has to be like a page that shows you and, and how you fit in that position that you're applying and how you can bring something to to the the company that is going that you want to work with and this is tough you know yeah
1: yeah I mean it can be like so I I mean the thing is like I I feel like the CV, like an academic CV also has to be a well-designed document if you're applying to an academic position. And like, I, I think of the CV now as sort of like your record of things you have done professionally and that like, you keep that document on your hard drive and back it up and have it somewhere and update it regularly. And then you pull from it to make resumes and various other kinds of CVs for applying for specific kinds of jobs. You know, yeah, you have your whole 10 page CV or whatever, and that is just everything that you've done, like all your experience. And then you just pull the elements from it into, like, if it needs to be a one page resume, then, you know, you pull, like, it's not easy, but, like, you create that document, right? Or it needs to be two pages, because, like, every field is slightly different, too, and what they want, and, like, what company you're applying to might have their own little quirks about like what kind of format of resume they want. And sometimes you go to apply for a job and you, you're you not really submitting a resume. You're going through their HR portal software and filling in boxes. And then like the design is just taken away from you.
2: Oh yeah, I hate that.
1: Like, so like, you know, like, I, I mean, yeah, I don't want to downplay that part of it because it's important. And they're like, there's a ton of advice out of the internet to like, here's how you can make your resume look really good. And- he-
2: I agree. I agree with you that uh, your CV needs also to have a nice layout and to be uh, organized, of course, no typos and uh, clear. But um, in the resume, what people say is that Uh, usually there are tons of applications and people on industry, they don't really have time to go through all everything and all the details. So if you.
1: I mean, they spend 30 seconds per resume or something, right?
2: That's what I heard. Yes. So then the, the thing is something that is that you think that is important, it might not be important to them. So they need to be able to jump to the next session pretty fast. If they don't care about your education or where you went to school, for instance, like me, I went to school in Brazil. Uh, the Where I went to school probably doesn't mean anything to them. So so they would just jump to the next uh, session. So this is why uh, the layout of your resume is really important. But I think that more than that is is of course the con- the content of your resume. You need to uh, be able to f- focus on the skills on what you are able to do and what you've done and what you accomplished.
1: And I think that's the harder part that academics have. Like, I, I mean, I really do think that that's more the gap than like producing a document that looks good. And, like, has the most relevant stuff at top. It, it's, like, the challenge for me is all in my head about getting, like, what are the transferable skills that I can demonstrate? And I, you know, it's like, well, I'm a pipetting monkey. And, like, you know, that's what I did for eight years.
0: I think that's kind of where maybe my um, ambivalence comes in about this, is that I've always kept for every job that I've done since I was... 11 or 15 like when I first started like doing babysitting and stuff is I would always keep a list of the thing of the accomplishments that I had done like when I was 11 and babysitting it was things like um entertained two children at my brother's soccer game like I've always kind of kept this list of yeah you did something important or you accomplished something
1: Wow, you look good. Yeah, I was going to say, you're really good. more of
0: a um, low self-esteem thing than anything else. But it was a matter of, like, somebody suggested, like, you should keep track of the things that you do good. Or do well, you know. Whatever the proper term would be. But anyhow. um, So I've kind of always done that. Um, And then when it comes to...
1: I mean, I'm starting to do that.
0: Well, in grad school, somebody actually suggested that I keep a yay me file on my computer. So, like... Or a yay me folder. So it was pretty much like anything that you did well, you put it in there. And so that kind of got turned into this list. So it's not a matter of, like it was just, if I'm applying for some job or if I was applying, I would just copy and paste things over.
1: Right.
2: Why no one told me that before. I would love to have a yay me folder. Nobody told you to have folder. a yay me
0: folder?
1: I mean, it's only a tip that's really become prevalent in the last couple of years. Like I, I know a, a number of like, Professors who do this and like, yeah.
0: My grad school PI. Are you calling me old? (laughs) I think Ian's just calling you old.
1: I mean, it's an idea that's spreading. What's that?
0: Are you calling me old, Ian?
1: No, I just I'm like I'm.
0: (laughs) My PI told me to do this over a decade ago when I started um, grad school. I got my first.
1: Right, I'm just saying. Like on Twitter, I see this like idea float every so often in the last couple of years. Right. Yeah. Like it's, yeah, I think it's an idea that's worth spreading around.
2: Oh, yeah. No, I think that that's great. Uh, I will totally do it. And I think that that's kind of, that would have made my life easier whenever I was trying to do my resume. And because, I don't know, for me, it was kind of painful to, it was also painful to do the resume because uh, you have all, it kind of like, I don't know, whenever you start, you kind of like, oh, my CV has only three pages. And then you start adding things, and you start adding publications, and adding classes that you taught. And uh, I used to have my abstracts there, and then I, I at some point, I removed them all from my uh, CV because it was starting to be too much, you know? It was starting to be too... <laughs> I'm not saying that I have a 100-page CV, but... I was like, okay, I had like, I don't know, 14, 15 page CV. And then to to decrease that to one page, um, that was painful. It was painful. Like all those publications and each publication means so much for me. Like it was so much work and probably like two, three years of hard working and editing and all the pipetting. Uh, and then I was just going to remove and don't put anything on my resume. Man, that was hard.
1: In okay, I mean that's yeah. I mean I can see that that's hard. So I guess I come at it from like a slightly opposite way, where I'm like, well, I, I don't know what to put on here because like you know like yes I could put on all of my publications or just mention that I've written them at least, and it, like things get reduced in a resume, right? Like so publications get reduced to like a single sentence, being like published in academic journal whatever or published published work in academic journals xyz you know like
2: uh i get in my in my resume there is something ar- um around those lines excellent writing skills as shown by x number of peer review publications
1: right so like this is the thing that i always have trouble with where i'm like putting in numbers to things, which I think they, people like on a resume and just like thinking of what the transferable skill is and how it's quantifiable. (sighs) Um, like, I mean, again, this is may well be particular to me because I have my own quirks about the, the world that I live in. And, um, you know, coming from like just, yeah, coming from like a mental health background that I do where I'm like, oh yeah, I was depressed for many years. And basically I still feel like it's like, Did I really do anything? Like, well, yeah, but it's not worth, like, crowing about. And, like, I think that is something that I have the hardest time with is, like, the resume is advertisement and selling yourself and, you know, um, getting into the nitty gritty of, like, here's how I quantify and, like...
0: I do have a hard time with
2: that. I think that every... All the academics have.
1: Yeah, and, like, maybe it's an academic thing, but I also... For me too, it's also a comparison thing because I'm just gonna be like, Well, I can put all the stuff the numbers in the resume, but I can point to fifty other people who have better numbers than me. Like, and maybe you should hire them. Like they may not be applying for that job, but
2: Yeah, but I don't think that yes, I think that is uh I don't think that in a industry position, let's put it like that, the number of publications if someone has 20 versus something that has a hundred uh the person that has a hundred will be automatically be hired because
1: Look, if you have a hundred publications the the postdoc
2: i think that is i feel like it's the combination of all the skills and they have one candidate in mind and and that's the other thing why you should always tailor your resume for that specific job ad so you read the, the And even if you think that you're applying for similar things and your skills are not going to change, you can try to answer every line of the job ad right. with one skill. Right. So, like, you read the job ad and, oh, we're looking for someone motivated. So then you would need to put some skill there that shows that you're energetic. You know, oh, you... Uh, led a group of uh i don't know how many undergrad students and right. uh that led to uh going to a conference and and eventually got published you know um i don't know what are your what is in your cv but you need to sh- put a line there to show that you're motivated and and then and then and and do that for all the lines of the job ad and preferably in order, like you read that. Okay, so I'll put this first because this is kind of like uh, put it always in the top, whatever the, the ad you think that the, the person if the if it's a person that is really <laughs> will like the most, you know, right.
1: Like you try to mirror the language of the ad in your resume to some extent, Like You answer what's in the actual ad and try to use the similar language as the ad. Although I will say a thing that kind of annoys me when you see job ads that have typos and like formatting wrong and you're just like, and you expect me to be perfect.
0: (laughs) I always love it when they're like an attention to detail and then detail is spelled wrong.
1: Oh, (laughs) yeah. I mean, cause I guess the other thing we should point out here too is like with, it, with all this resume CV stuff is you know, like whatever got you the job that worked is, you know, like that's the thing that worked. Yeah. <laughs> so like, and you may not really know like if it was exactly your resume, the way you formatted it, or, you know, like maybe you submitted the wrong thing, but they liked you anyway. And for some reason they invited you for the interview and like, you know, now you're working there.
2: In my case, I know that uh, me having a PhD was a big part of, uh, of me being hired because they really wanted someone that had an academic background to cover academic accounts. So I basically do – that's my territory. I do have uh, mainly academic accounts, so I could – kind of speak the language of uh, the professors. And because I've been there for so long, I know how grant works. Right. I know how research works. Right. I know how tough it is to buy equipment and to get funding. So that was one of the reasons. Uh, but I I never actually asked that to my boss, but I wonder if I was the only one that applied with a PhD and why, um, if something in my resume caught their eye, uh, that they made made then think that I was um, good for that. I don't know. One of the things that I tried to put, uh, because in the end, uh, as I was not really sure um, where I was going to go and which direction, I had several um, resume um skeletons let's put it like that so Mm -hmm. i will have one if i wanted to go to sales i had another one if i want to go teaching i had another one if i wanted to go uh do um i don't know medical science liaison uh so i had several of them and and in the sales one particularly i was trying to say how i'm extroverted how i did a lot of i participated in a lot of commissions i was part of the postdoctoral association for several years and i like to do events so i kind of put everything there um so maybe that was one thing
1: yeah i mean another thing that um we should point out to maybe is that, you know, like having a resume is great, but like, and applying for job ads is great, but a lot of what a resume does is through networking. And like you send people that you've done information interviews or that you've met, like you can send them your resume is like sort of like a placeholder so that they can forward it on to their colleagues. And um, if they have an opening, like they might make room for you. So like, because like, you know, what is it? 80% of actual hires come from networking, not just applying to job ads that you see out in the world. And so like your resume has a function in the networking world too. And, um, and probably more of a role than in just applying to job ads where you have to format it, of course, but, and you should have it ready to go as much as possible. But for me, I know, like, I just, I, I have a pretty generic resume right now that I can, like, cause I'm mostly applying for editing and writing jobs and they're similar. Like, you know, like the, the resume is going to look fairly similar either way. So I have like the generic version of that <clears throat> that I can customize a little bit, but um, like mostly like I'm, my philosophy is like, I'm going to network as much as possible and send it to people. And hopefully that will like, it's like sort of a placeholder. It's like, it's an expanded business card, so that they'll remember you a little bit. Um, this is like this is something that I've heard many like you know career coaches and professionals talk about, where it's you know your resume is not just for applying for a job ad that you see on the internet.
0: So it kind of sounds like the resume serves two purposes. So one would be for randomly applying to job, well not randomly, but finding jobs that are advertised on job boards and applying there as well as
1: Hmm. hmm. you might get hired that way or get an interview that way
0: i mean that's how i ended up working for um or doing the, or what i'm still doing but doing some of the freelance work that i do for bite-sized bio is that i saw their job ad and i applied and uh, eventually i was hired um wasn't that so yours,
2: it was not through networking? It was not
0: through networking, no. I had been reading the site for a while. They were looking for an editorial manager. Um, and I kind of was like, that sounds like fun. And I liked the site because I had read it for years while I was in grad school. And I applied kind of randomly on a whim. Um, in my cover letter, I had kind of, like you would say, like you have like a skeleton. Like I have kind of a... um fill-in-the-blank sort of template where I have like a paragraph or two that are interchangeable for the different job like you know for different jobs so it's tailored but there's certain things aren't going to change like I'm always going to say I am interested in applying for exposition and my you know my sign-off please contact me at blah 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 if there's any questions then sincerely like that sort of stuff stays the same um But I, in my interchangeable paragraph, I was like, oh, yes, and I've always enjoyed reading your thing. My favorite um, article or my favorite post was this particular one that apparently was also a guest post on there, but was um, about recycling mini prep columns. And they, and apparently, you know, he liked my application. We did a phone interview, and I was really interested in trying it out, so... It was kind of a random whim sort of thing, and it completely changed it's my career It's interesting path.
2: that I didn't get my job through networking awesome. as well. I just saw the, the the ad on LinkedIn, and and I was like, well, why not? You know, yeah.
1: mm-hmm.
2: and I didn't really think that I would, that I was totally, uh, like a good fit, because it was all about like chemistry and organic chemistry and and i was like uh i'm not that good in chemistry anymore you know i don't remember but i decided to apply anyways i was like well let's say and then in the end it worked out and now, guess what? I've been learning a lot about chemistry. Right. <laughs> yeah.
0: so, I mean, that was kind of what happened is I was like, oh, this looks like this would be fun. I like editing. I think that I could be good at this. Um, I will, I'll give it a try.
1: Yeah. And so, I mean, for me, I'm, <clears throat> it, so, I mean, here's sort of the frustrating thing about still being an academic and still trying to figure my way out and what I can do in the world is like hearing the success stories. You're just like, okay but how does that work for me? Like, when is this going to, you know, click for me? Because it yeah. hasn't really yet other than, you know, like I've gotten opportunities just because like, you know, I'm active, very active on Twitter a lot. And I'm mostly just myself on there and I share my writing. And like, I've gotten literal opportunities, like some of them that pay even too. um, I, And yeah. And so like, I've done a lot of like, Gig type work, but I'm still waiting for like that magic, like oh, you're hired for this permanent job moment. And it's like as it will come. uh, Well, yeah,
0: (laughs) but I think like uh, being able to kind of apply for like having a generic resume that you can either or several generic resumes for particular types of jobs that you're interested in can be helpful in this um, like applying like seeing something interesting and being able to act on it
1: oh yeah absolutely uh,
0: cause I'm certain that that's probably also part of it as well so when you guys have been working on putting together resumes or CVs like have you guys come across any like really good tips because there's always I feel like there's a lot of information out of there and trying to employ it in your own particular resume or CV can be difficult. So have you guys come across any tips or ways of right. managing that?
2: One thing that I did, uh, it was I got a lot of help. Okay. Uh, I asked people on Twitter that knew who I was and I could trust, including, I think, you, Amanda. I think that you helped me to uh, I did edit for one some one. of my yeah. cover letters. Yeah, so I... I, I done that and so whenever you receive the documents back and it's kind of good to let other people read and ask for a critical review of of what they are reading uh, especially if they are in that position of hiring or or whatever. So I got this uh, help on Twitter and I got help from uh, people that, uh, okay, let me take a look at your resume. Oh, no, I don't think that this looks nice. Oh, this tips. So the, the ones that I can think of um, is one... Well, in the top, you always will write your name and your contact information, uh, but don't use your university email because, right. especially if you're uh, applying outside of academia uh, or if you don't want them to know that you're applying for jobs, uh, you want to have a private, like a Gmail, or whatever uh, email. That's going to so be more, that's going to
1: follow you longer anyway than like your academic account will. So, yeah, that's a really good tip.
2: Yes, uh, and then uh, some people write a goal, like a general line of a goal that you want to achieve. Like my goal in my professional life is to do this. So if it's uh, um, if like you, Ian, that might work because you kind of have a specific goal and you can write like a sentence uh, of what you plan to do and, and, and maybe how you want to go there. I didn't. I didn't add to mine, but I guess that it
0: depends. That seems like that would be hard to do, to say, you know, the goal for my career over the next, you know, right, however many years you're planning on working, 20, 30, 40 years, whatever life expectancy is now, um, like, this is my goal for my entire career is to do this, and you're job will be a stepping stone along that path i don't know it just seems very grandiose right i mean i'm sure it's good advice it just seems like it'd be difficult to be sincere
2: but that is resume resume has to be grandiose you don't you don't you have to sell yourself and you don't be afraid of adjectives Okay. Right. adjectives uh you have to put like excellent outstanding uh, perfect. <laughs> no, <laughs> not perfect. <laughs> not perfect. But uh, you have to ju- just like, okay, we've been to academia for a long time. We wrote a lot of things and we have a critical think- thinking. So you have excellent writing skills. Yeah, we do. I believe that all of us have and we shouldn't be ashamed of putting there that. So you need to put those uh, keywords of skills and and just uh, don't be afraid of uh, using those.
1: Right. So I think a lot of academics have a problem with that. I'll just say. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because, I, I mean, look, it's... <laughs> in many ways, it feels like painting a very false picture. And, like, you know, when we're studying nature and doing experiments and... doing doing deep dives into the literature, that is not what we are doing. Like, we are trying to, you know, model the world as it actually is. And, you know, adding the flowery adjectives on a resume just does not fit that model. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And, you know, and it feels like hyping yourself, which we're also really taught not to do. And... It's a bit
0: like gilding the lily.
1: Yeah, exactly. And then they're going to meet you and find out like, well, okay, you have this weird quirk and you're not perfect. And like, well, sorry, I don't want to be pretentious on my resume. like, like,
2: Yeah, it's not that you're going to write something like I am the best (laughs) and I am the only one who can do that. But on the other hand, you got to look at your CV and look at your life and what you've done and all those years uh, pipetting. Uh, what did you bring to you, you know? Uh, all those students, all those classes that you taught, uh, everything. You just need to think what uh, from... What are the sections from your uh, CV um, that can be transferable into a skill that can be uh, that you can bring to the company to your new employee in real life, you know, that is outside the lab, right? And that's how that's tough, it's not easy. That's that's why I said that for me, it was. Oh my God! It took it took a couple of months to come up with something that I was like, okay, this is something that I I like it now how it, it right. how it is, you know. I
1: mean, I also think academics have a problem there too, a little bit with because like I feel like there's also project amnesia. Like once that paper is published, it was such an effort and such a thing that it no longer exists to you because you don't want to think about it anymore. Like you can see the line on the paper being like, oh yeah, and I published that, but you know, it wasn't really me who did it, right? It was a team effort or, you know, it's like you divorce yourself from what you did a lot in academia. And I think that's another challenge that academics have with resumes. Like, again, like it's more in your head than actually producing the document. Like So in terms of like tips bringing up, I'll just, I know we're at the end. So it's beyond the professoriate, which is Jen Polk's online conference that with Maren Wood that she does every year. Um, Melissa Daglish is like, I mean, she does this for a living, like talks about, like, she'll help you create a resume or CV. Like you can hire a professional to help you. And one of her points was also that you, you treat it a bit like a work of art and a design object. So like you can put some creative flares, you can use colors in some ways. Like you can add things like, yeah, like some are like, not too much and it's not like making it garish or anything but like some of the examples she was showing were like you know having like a text box that was a certain color that had like you know bigger text like you know and one side being like hey look at this like because you know this is advertising me it was very like you know it's very simple stuff it was just like you know you can treat it like as a design project right it's not huh. just putting text on white paper necessarily
2: could you uh can you find this in the internet yeah yeah
1: i mean i was going yeah, to say we can put it in the show notes
2: yeah maybe we can add the link on the on the show notes so people can take a look at that that would be awesome
1: right i just looked her up yeah
0: there's a couple of people that do that right yeah we'll put her and um Heidi Scott Gusto does um, oh, yeah. resume does she writing do that? and things of like that sort, and she's really good. Um, she gave a seminar a while back um, about actionable steps you can take. So we'll put um, links to both of those in the show notes. Sounds great! So I think that is a good place to wrap it up. We've done some tips, we've talked about how you can get outside help, you can hire people who. Have their PhD and have made the transition outside of the ivory tower to help you with your transition outside of the ivory tower. So I just wanted to say thank you, everyone, for listening, and we'll see, we'll talk to you next
1: time. Talk to you next time.
0: Okay, bye bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Recovering Academic Podcast. Our music is from bensound.com under a creative commons license. You can find us on the web at recoveringacademic.net where you can contact us and subscribe to our newsletter. You can find all of us on Twitter. I'm at Lady Scientist. I'm at Dr. Underscore BMS.
1: And I'm at IH Street.
0: And don't forget, there is sunshine outside the ivory tower.